you have your Bible, if you could uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 19. We're going to look at verses 28 through 44 this morning. Obviously, we're taking a break. I didn't tell you to turn to Proverbs. We're turning uh, to Luke this morning because uh, we're in Holy Week. And we're taking a break from Proverbs. Uh, We don't follow the church calendar super closely at our church, but we are aware of the fact that this week, Christians from literally all over the world uh, celebrate Holy Week or Passion Week, the the last week of Jesus' life. Today is known as Palm Sunday, when Jesus uh, rides into Jerusalem to begin the last week of his life. Let me read for us God's word found in Luke 19 28 through 44 it will also be in your bulletin and on the screen behind me this is God's word and when he had said these things he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet he sent two of the disciples saying go into the village in front of you Where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, you shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and they found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And he brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples. So all those that were gathered uh, began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he had that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees who were also in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he said, and I love this, I tell you, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he heard, and and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you. Surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground. You and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. This is God's word. Let me pray. Ask God to come and help us this morning through his spirit. Let's pray together. Father, we are mindful that to understand your word clearly and to really see you here this morning and experience you, we are needy. We are in need of your spirit. And so I ask that you would pour out your spirit on us this morning. Many of us have been celebrating Holy Week for as long as we can remember. We've celebrated Palm Sunday, 
some of us for many, many years, and honestly, it's commonplace. It doesn't move us. And so would you help us through your spirit to see this passage and experience it in a new way this morning? Would you give faith to those this morning who doubt? Give life to those who do not believe? Comfort the discouraged and brokenhearted? Fill us with joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're a golf fan or a sports fan in general, perhaps you know that today is Sunday at the Masters. Uh, I'm a sports fan, and so I love this time of year because you go from March Madness, Jim Nance literally gets in a car and goes from the Final Four to Augusta to call the greatest uh, golf tournament in the world, the Masters. Today's the final day, and you have to think that at some point this morning, that those who are at the top of the leaderboard, uh, by the way, um, since the Masters got moved up, you know, the leaders have already have teed off and they're in the middle of that. I want all eyes on me this morning. <laughs> I know you got the Masters app. Um, but, but you have to think that when the leaders got up this morning, Somewhere in their mind and in their heart, they had the thought, this is it. The final day at the Masters. This is what I've been playing all my life for. This is what you practice and spend all those hours. This is what it's all about. We're at the beginning of what Christians call around the world Holy Week. And in some ways, just like those golfers this morning... This is it. For the Christian, this is what it's all about. You see, of course, there's lots of things that Jesus, other things that he did and said, and all those are important. Uh, But this week in particular is something that we stop, and Christians, like I said, all over the world stop and celebrate. Why? Because this is it. This is the climax of our Savior. And of our Lord's life. It begins this week, today, in Palm Sunday. And it will culminate next week when we celebrate Easter and we celebrate the resurrection. And so for this reason, I want us to celebrate the life of Jesus this week. And there are several opportunities for you to do that and for us to do that as a church. Outside in the upper gathering hall, you will see a piece of paper that looks like this. Uh, These are scriptures for you to read this week devotionally as you reflect on the life of Christ. Pick one of those up, put it in your Bible, and use it this week. Secondly, you can participate by being here on uh, Friday evening at 6.30. We will be having a Good Friday service in this building and celebrating uh, and reflecting on the death of Christ. And then, of course, we will be here next Sunday with two services Uh, a week from today, celebrating the resurrection and Easter. And I want to invite you to participate in all of those ways this week. The other thing I want to invite you to do is, or ask you to do, is invite someone next week to come to church with you. Uh, Maybe people that you've invited for many, many months now, and they've told you no, uh, that they want nothing to do with church. They're more open to coming, obviously, on Christmas, but also on Easter. 
So invite someone to come because chances are they will be open, open to coming uh, on Easter Sunday. But this morning, we're going to answer the question, why is this week so important? Why do we say, just like those leaders at the Masters this morning, this is it? Why is this week, particularly Palm Sunday, such a big deal for the Christian? Why do we celebrate? Well, three things we want to look at in this passage this morning. Uh, We celebrate because of who Jesus is. He's the king. Secondly, we celebrate because of what Jesus does and what he brings. And thirdly, we celebrate and make such a big deal out of this week because of what Jesus offers us. So those three things this morning. Let's look first uh, who Jesus is. Look at verses 35. Let's just walk through this passage together. 35 through 38. Um, this is the fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, what Martin read in our call to worship this morning. It says, Your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble, which we'll talk about in a minute, mounted on a donkey, a foal of a donkey, so a baby donkey, which we'll talk more about in a minute. So this event is the fulfillment of that prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9. And in Matthew's account, the people, not only are they spreading out their cloaks, but in that account, it says that they're waving their branches, uh, their palm branches. Uh, and why is that? Well, because this was a national sign for them that the king had come. Whenever a king would win a war and they would return into the city, the people would celebrate them. And how would they celebrate them? By laying down their cloaks and waving their branches. Second Kings chapter 9, verse 13. They all took off their cloaks and spread them for him on the bare steps. And they proclaimed, Jehu is king. Jehu is king. And so they're celebrating a king. That's what all of these uh, details are bringing out here. Look at verse 38. We also see it because they're praising in a loud voice. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. You know what they're doing here? They're singing a psalm that that they would have known because they would have sung it. And they're singing Psalm 118. But it's a little bit different than Psalm 118. They add something to it. Instead of saying, which Psalm 18 says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Look at the difference. They say, blessed is this one. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Matthew's account says, blessed is he, the son of David. Think about the opening song that we sang this morning. This This is the one. And so the point is that I want you to see this is Messiah language. This is the one that the people have been waiting for. This is the one that was to bring peace to them. But what did they think he was bringing? What kind of peace? Well, they thought, uh, in, in their context, that he was bringing political peace and economic peace and social peace. You see, they thought he was coming and his first act of business would be to destroy Rome to destroy Rome and take it to the ground. 
One commentator says this, says this, this is an act with the palms, this act with the palm branches was not neutral. This symbolized Israel's national hopes, now focused on Jesus being hailed as king as he would enter into the city. You see, the number one thing for the Messiah was he was to come back to the place that God dwelled, Jerusalem, and they said he is going to take down all of his enemies. And it makes sense if you were living there. Think about if you were a Jew and you were in the place where God dwelled, where the temple was, and now it was being controlled by a pagan Roman government. And the pagan Roman government was just as ruthless as you think it was. Violent, oppressive, and so they are hoping and thinking that now the Messiah is here. He's going to conquer Rome and run them out of town. And so they lay down their palm branches, they wave their palm branches and lay down their cloaks because he's going to do that and we're finally going to have peace politically and socially and economically. See, they expected one thing, but as you know, they got something totally different. Have you ever done that where you expected one thing and instead you got something totally different? That was our spring break trip. I asked Eva if I could share this, so I have her permission. She's our seven-year-old. Uh, we went for spring break uh, to, the, uh, to visit Susie's family. And uh, then we went with some of her family, and we went to the beach. They, this beach she grew up on uh, down South Carolina uh, coast. And one of her favorite things to do, and one of our favorite things to do, we've been going there for years, and one of our favorite things to do, particularly this time of year, is to do pool and to do uh, hot tub. So go back and forth, pool and hot tub, because it's not super hot to just stay out on the beach. Well, we get there, and they had their scooters and razors and whatever else they got, and they're riding around, and they're going to the pools. Pool number one, closed for renovation. Expected one thing, <laughs> got something totally different. Not just the completely drained, repainting the whole deal. Went to the other pool, exact same thing. So we're thinking, yes, hot tub. Closed for renovation. Then 15 minutes after that, so we arrive at 5.30. It's 5.45. Everything's closed. <laughs> By 5.45... Uh, Eva had hit a rock on her razor. She's really good on this thing and just hit it just the wrong way. And uh, she has braces on, by the way. Her mouth hits the handlebars, and it was not a pretty sight. If you can imagine braces hitting mouth, hitting the handlebars. We ended up with two stitches. On, we're in the Myrtle Beach, South Carolina ER. Does that sound fun? No. Uh, in the ER, stitches on the outside, stitches on the inside. We expected this to be a great time where we were going to enjoy life as a family. We got something totally different. Somebody asked me last service, please say it got better. It did. Rough start. But that's the picture. Uh, These people expected one thing and got something totally different. From Jesus, they expected him to bring war, and instead he goes to a cross. 
They expected him to overthrow the Romans, and instead he gets overthrown. They expected him to fight, and instead he turns the other cheek. And how do we know? Well, we know because come back Good Friday, and all these people that are bowing down and praising him a few days later are yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And even the disciples leave when he needs them the most, when he needs them the most. And think about Peter. He's part of the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And Peter denies him three times. You see, one of the things we learn is that it's really easy for you to miss Jesus when you try to get Jesus to fulfill your agenda. And so this morning, what are the ways in which you have dismissed Jesus in your life because he did not do what you wanted him to do? You see, they were correct. They were correct in in that Jesus was indeed the king. He was indeed the Messiah, but he was a different kind of king and a different kind of Messiah. Look at verse 30. You see, they missed some clues, didn't they? They missed the fact that he's riding in on a donkey, not on a Roman war horse with a chariot like the Roman soldiers would do. But he's riding in on a foal. That would have been a baby donkey. So the picture, think about how strange and weird this would have been. He probably has to lift up his heels so that they don't touch the ground. That's what Jesus is riding in on. And he doesn't even, it's not even his donkey. The one that owns a cattle on a thousand hills doesn't even own a donkey. It's a borrowed donkey. And it tells you about his humility. His saddle is a cloak. But it's not even his cloak. Because this king had no place to lay his head. Why is this so important? Why do we celebrate this? Him riding in on a donkey, the triumphal entry. Why do we do that? Uh, on Holy Week and Palm Sunday? Well, because he's humble. It's the best news in the world that Jesus would ride in on a donkey for his triumphal entry because it was Jesus' way of saying, I'm the king, but I am the king for everyone. I'm the king for the Jews and the Gentiles. I'm the king and the Messiah for the lepers and the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the addicts and old people and young people and rich people and poor people. You see, the reason why we celebrate is because wherever you are this morning, no matter how low you might feel, we celebrate Palm Sunday because you can come to Jesus whoever you are, and whatever you've done, because unlike other kings, you can reach him. and You can touch him, because he came to reach you. You see, some of you feel low and feel like you're in a bad place this morning. You're not too low for the one who rides in on a foal, on a donkey. That's why we celebrate. That's why this is such good news. That's why we celebrate Holy Week. Secondly, what does Jesus do or what does he bring? Look at verse 28. He went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Uh, Dr. Richard Pratt 
was my Old Testament professor in seminary when I went to uh, seminary at RTS in Orlando. And uh, I'm, in, I'm indebted to him for life. Um, he taught me how to study the Bible. He opened up the Bible to me in ways that I can't even begin to explain, but it was life-changing. And I'll never forget when he talked about this, this passage, and the temple in Jerusalem. You see, think about this passage. The temple is in Jerusalem, and what's the very next passage if you have your Bible open? Where is Jesus headed? He's headed to the temple. And I'll never forget Dr. Pratt asking this question. Do you know why the holies of holies or or the temple, why it's so important and we're listening and we say no and he says because it's where the Garden of Eden is. You know, we said, well, it's because where God dwells. He says, no, it's where the Garden of Eden is. And we were like, what? That didn't make any sense to us. And then he works it out and he opens it up and this is what he said. Genesis chapter 1 through 3, God sets in place the Garden of Eden at the very beginning of time, and man dwelled there, man and woman, Adam and Eve, without fear and without shame. And then in Genesis chapter 3, we know what happens. The world's blown to bits because mankind, humankind, rebels against God, and the world was broken. And the main thing that was broken was the relationship with God. And so the everything from that point on in the Bible, you could say the story of the Bible and the story of the world is to bring everything back to the Garden of Eden. And when Adam and Eve, when they rebelled, they got kicked out of the Garden. If you remember in the passage, at that point God puts an an angel in front of the Garden to guard the tree of life. And the angel has a sword and he's guarding the Garden. You start looking through the rest of the Old Testament and what do you see that the priests would have to do in order to go into the temple and into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God? What did they have to do? You could not get in without a sacrifice. You couldn't get get in without the shedding of blood and so they would kill an animal because without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin. Insert the triumphal entry. Jesus, the king, is riding into Jerusalem in order to bring us back to the Garden of Eden. Let me say it another way. Jesus is going to Jerusalem, going to the temple, in order to reestablish our relationship with God. How will he do it? Good Friday. Good Friday. He will take the sword that it's guarding the Garden of Eden, and he will take it into himself. The tree or the, that, that is guarding, the, the sword that's guarding the tree of life, he will take that into himself. Do you see why we celebrate Holy Week? Do you see why it's the big deal for the Christian? Because Jesus goes right to the heart of the problem. He goes right to the heart of what's wrong with us and what's wrong with the world. What's wrong with us? We got kicked out of the garden. And Jesus goes to Jerusalem in order to do something about it once and for all. See why we celebrate? There's more. Jesus rises from the dead and he ascends into heaven and it says, the Bible says he will return again. And when he returns, you know what he's going to bring? Remember 
Revelation, he's going to bring the new Jerusalem, the perfect Jerusalem, what the Bible calls the new heavens and new earth. And from that spot, the glory of God will radiate to the entire planet from the new Jerusalem. And if you are a Christian, that's where you're going for all eternity this morning. And you know what happens in the the new Jerusalem? Revelation chapter 22, you know what else is in the new Jerusalem? The tree of life. But guess what's different? Go read Revelation 22. You know what's different this time? There's no angel guarding it. Because Jesus has sacrificed his life so that you and me could have free access and reestablish our relationship and be reconciled to God. You see why we celebrate Palm Sunday? See, that's what the triumphal entry is all about. It is a big deal. And that's why we celebrate and make a big deal out of this week in the life of a Christian. If you're a Christian this morning, here's my question for you. Is this your Jesus? Is this your Jesus? Is this the Jesus that we celebrate this week? You see, I think it's easy for us to reduce Jesus to our therapist. It's easy for us to just say, I need Jesus because Jesus just gives me peace of mind or he fixes my problems or he makes me feel better about myself. And don't get me wrong, Jesus does all those things. He gives you a new identity. He does help you. He does make you feel better. All of those things. But friends, Jesus is bigger than that. And he's better than that. Jesus is not just a crutch to get us through another week or another day. Jesus is the king who went into the who came into earth and went to Jerusalem in order to change the world. And he died and he was buried and he raises again and he will bring the new Jerusalem so that you by faith can be a citizen of the new Jerusalem forever. That's the Christian hope. That's it. That's what it's all about, like they say this morning in the Masters. That's what it's all about for the Christian, and that's why we make a big deal out of Palm Sunday. Lastly, what does Jesus offer? Look at verse 39. Uh, The Pharisees tell Jesus to rebuke the disciples. Uh, They were afraid. The Pharisees, you don't want to irritate the Romans. And so they thought with all this commotion, it's going to stir them up and they're going to come and crush us. And so they say, tell these people to quiet down. I love verse 40. If they quiet down, somebody's going to sing, even if it's the very stones. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's calling out, these people are calling out that he's the king of Israel. And he's saying, these people, these stones will even stand witness against you. And so he starts making his way closer to Jerusalem. And you can see a shift in the passage. Some of you have a heading in your Bible that you recognize this shift. Look at verse 41 through 44. Jesus drew near and saw the city and he wept over it. Why is Jesus weeping? Fill in everything I just said in point two. And let me say it again, because he knows his Bible. This is a Jerusalem. It's a special place 
to God because it's where it was the center of the hopes of the Old Testament people. It was where the kingship of David was. It's where Solomon built the temple. Uh, and, and it's the dwelling place of God, the holy of holies. And you would expect that Jerusalem and these people would just, the doors would just fling open and they would fling their arms open wide and say, come on, Jesus. But they don't. And they haven't for many years because he came into the world and his own people received him not. Remember John chapter 1. And Jesus' heart breaks. Verse 43. For the day will come when your enemies will set a barricade around you and surround you on every side and tear you to the ground and there will be no stone that's left unturned. That's a very powerful section of Scripture. See, Jesus is the prophet. And Jesus uh, is referring to here 70 A.D. when the Romans will destroy Jerusalem. And he sees this and he knows what's coming and he starts to weep because he knows the consequences of the sin and rebellion of these people and that they've rejected him and they don't know um, and they don't understand and it breaks his heart. And so what does Jesus do? And I want you to notice this. Uh, Think about this. Jesus looks at this city who has pushed back on him and who think about all the prophets in the Old Testament and the priests and the kings. They pushed back on them. And they pushed back on Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't say, we're done. He actually moves towards it. He actually moves towards the city, not away from it, and he weeps. And so here's my question for you. Do you weep for people who don't know Jesus? Do you weep for people that don't know Jesus? Or do we look down on them with condemnation and judgment? It broke the very heart of Jesus. And it filled him with sadness and compassion. And he weeps for them. Because they don't know the peace that they actually need and the world actually needs. They don't understand. They think they need economic peace. They think they need uh, uh, political peace and social peace. They don't know that the peace that they ultimately need is to be made right with God and to be reconciled to Him. Think Garden of Eden. To be brought back into perfect relationship with Him because of their sin and rebellion. And you know what? I think oftentimes we miss it too. Often the thing that we think we need or we think the world needs is uh, we need a better justice system. And some of these, there's truth in all of these things. But we think, we look to those things to save us and we think if we just had that, if we had better police response or if our economy would just be better or if we'd build a wall if we had a new political system and just scratched it and started over, all those things might need to happen, but that's not what we ultimately need. The Bible says what we ultimately need and our ultimate problem is we're not right with God. And we need to be made right with God because we can't dig our way out of it and make ourselves right. We need Jesus. That's why we celebrate Palm Sunday. It's because Jesus is riding into Jerusalem to do something about our greatest need. He's riding into Jerusalem to face an enemy that's far more ruthless than Rome. Jesus faces 
on Good Friday the wrath of his father being poured out on him for the sin, for our sin and for the sin of the world. On Good Friday, Jesus is mocked and beaten and crucified and the full justice of God is poured out on him. Why? Romans chapter 5 verse 1. We have been justified by faith and if we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me close with this. I heard a podcast uh, this week, and they were talking about the college admission scandal. And I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's been all over the news where these people of means, Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman, celebrities, have made it possible for their kids to get into college, and they didn't earn it or didn't you know, do what was necessary, but they pulled some strings and were able to go behind the scenes and get them in. That's the basic story, and people are outraged about it, and this podcast, they're talking about it, and then the host of the podcast does what I call, I call a, a gospel bomb. The host of the podcast draw, drops a gospel bomb in the middle of this podcast that left me speechless, because my tendency is to get outraged, look down upon, and to be a complete Pharisee. And he says this, doesn't Jesus do the exact same thing for his children? God, the divine parent, who has all the wealth and the power in the world, pays the cost to get his children something, to get them in somewhere that they don't deserve and something that they have not earned, the kingdom of God. I thought, man. And then he says this. My outrage at this story is pharisaical. Because like it or not, the kingdom of God is not about what you know. It's about who you know. Do you know Jesus this morning? I never want to get tired of asking that question. I'm going to keep asking that question. We never should get tired of asking that question. Do you know Jesus this morning? There's an interesting scene in Revelation chapter 7. Blew me away. You should read it this afternoon. There's a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Why? Because the Messiah is for all people. And they are worshiping, and it says they're worshiping the Lamb around the throne. That's Jesus. And you know what they're waving in Revelation chapter 7? Palm branches. You waving your palm branch this morning. This is Holy Week. This is it. This is what we play for. This is where we celebrate the life of Jesus, the King that we need, who brings the hope that we need, who offers the peace that we need. Will you be one who waves your palm branch and lays down your cloak and worships the King? That's an invitation. Let me pray. Father, thank you for coming in humility. Thank you for giving us everything necessary to give us peace with God. Forgive us for making you too small. 
Lord, if there's someone here this morning that's skeptical or filled with doubt, would you help them to see you more clearly? Would you give them faith? As we take the morning offering, I pray that you would make us, thank you for how you're working generosity into this church. Uh, Continue to make us cheerful givers for what you've done for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.